I'm going to be the second one to say thank you, Lord, for a big area to put my stuff, like Mercedes did last week. <laughs> or else I would have been all over the place. Oh my gosh, how do you come out of worship like that and just jump into something different? Could we just do that like every Sunday? <laughs> right? Um, but guess what? Worship is a life. It's not a thing. It's not an event. So worship is what we do, how we do life with Jesus. So, but it's just that sometimes we, do, we don't want to get out of those moments. Right? Thank you. So, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know what the presence of God does to you, but when I'm in the presence of God, I get weepy, I get to crying, and nothing is wrong with me, people. I just, that's how I, that's how I experience him. That is how I am. I am filled. Um, so I just get weepy. That's, that's all. <laughs> so whenever you see me weeping, just say, more, Lord. <laughs> um, so... While I was thinking about, Lord, why should I, what should I share about? What should I share about? Um, well, for me, the Lord has always, well, not, I won't say always, because I used to not do this. But lately, when, when I've been able to experience him and know who he is, I feel like the Lord always wants me to share from where I'm at from where my journey is at, for what, I'm, what, I'm, what he's teaching me. And then from that, that place, then I, I give of what I have. Because <laughs> before I used to give from other people's preaching or other people's, you know, people do that. And nothing is wrong with that if that is a starting point. But I get, we all, he all wants us to get to that point when we can share from where we are at. Because it is from that place we get our authority. And it's what we have learned that help others that are going through the same thing or similar um, for them to grow and for them to know, you know what? Everybody's not in the same journey. And he values that. Um, but what I've been learning, even from the ending of last year and this year, is just to value his presence more in my life and value a deepening relationship with him so, believe it or not, that's going to cost any one of us. It's going to cost any one of us. Um, and unless we count the cost, then we're not really thinking to go deeper, <laughs> right? Because it's going to cost. So, we started out something in KSSM that we had um, the privilege and the honor to be invited to um, from Bethel's School of Supernatural Studies, from Bethel's um, church that they had invited us to go into um, just like a fasting and a prayer for the new year to reset our life, to reset our hearts, to reset our minds, to refocus on what's really important. So one of the things I was able to do, for some of us, for some of you who don't know, my life is in a transition, a good one. <laughs> things that I've been praying for, just the Lord just opened that up for me to be able to have more time with him. And it has been such a blessing that I get to work, yes, but I get time to be with him. That has been the longing of my heart, you know, to, because it's hard to, to be able to, to manage time when everything is pulling you 
different directions. And all of us here get pulled different directions. So to be able to, to transition into that where I have more time to spend with him. And in the beginning, I will tell you, it wasn't like that. I was so distracted because I like, you know, it's like going from having your time be constrained to having all this freedom with time. That I was so distracted that I used to just waste my time. And I said to the Lord, but what is happening? Because I asked you for more time and you've given me more time and I'm just wasting Right? So I had to tell myself, you know what? Something needs to be reset. If I'm, if I'm deeply asking you for a deepening relationship, it has to cost me refocusing and giving him time. So I've just been learning and he's been teaching me over the past months and weeks what his love has meant. Not only for me, but for the body of Christ, for those who have gone before us and for those who are here and for those who are coming. And I just want to read you, because I heard this. I heard it was a pastor from Bethel, Dan Farley. It was a preaching that I, I recently heard. It was a preaching he gave over the Christmas, and it was about the incarnation of Christ and what that meant for us. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you, it's on YouTube, go listen to it whenever you have time. It's going to blow your mind and your socks off. If it doesn't blow your mind, it's going to blow your socks off. For me, oh my goodness, it just... Because we hear about God becoming flesh. And then we don't understand it. We don't get the full of what that means. How does God, who makes the universe, dwells? in a flesh, in a limited being, and a limited God becomes, lives in a limited being. How, do, how does he do that? Or some of us, we, that we wrap our minds around that we can't understand. So I want to read something, an analogy that, um, that Dan Farley shared from a, from a book called, I think it's, let me see, I'll, I'll give you the, the name of the book. Gosh, I've got lost in this. It says, The Jesus I Never Knew. And that is by, I don't know if some of you have read it, Philip Yancey. So he writes a book. About, have any of you beside Mr. Larry and Miss Carol ever attended to fish? Either in a, in a, small little container, aquarium, or how they have it in ponds. <laughs> Any of you have attended to fishes, or been around fishes, swam around fishes, whatever. What do they normally do when we come across them? Huh? I know I grew up having an aquarium with where we used to live, and whenever you come close to them, they're, they go hide, right? Regardless if you're just cleaning the tank or just giving them food, make sure that the oxygen or whatever, whatever, what's the thing that has to go in there? It's the bubbles or the air, whatever that they need, right? Whenever they, they do that, the fish, they just go hide. And it's not that you're doing something to intentionally hurt them. You're actually giving them food to be nourished. You're, you're cleaning out their tank. You're cleaning out their air. 
But they don't know that because they don't think like you and I. Right? So in this book, it talks about this person. That this is how he described what Jesus did when, when it mentions about God becoming flesh. It says that this person just nurtured these fishes, nurtured them, and gave them everything they needed. But their reaction was always fear. Their reaction was always fear. No matter what the circumstances, no matter the outcome, if their bellies were filled and they understood it was food, they didn't understand. They didn't understand when he was cleaning their tank. Nothing. So it dawned on the person that the only way he could be understood is to become a fish. A person with unlimited, like you and I, with unlimited, compared to a fish, our brain is so far advanced than a fish. So he, he, he thought about that. If I become a fish, then they'll surely understand me and understand my language. Because whenever he gets close to the aquarium and says, hello, I love you, all they get is fear and they run away. They cannot understand. And so that is God, that is what God did for us. He stooped so low because he wanted communion with us. He wanted to be understood. He wanted to relate to us. How can a man relate to a fish? How can a God of the universe, who at, at this, as he speaks, things happen, how can he relate to us as God if he didn't become man like us? The Bible says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He had to shield, imagine, he had to shield Moses behind a rock because his light, his glory, his pureness would have crushed Moses, not because he was bad, but the weight of his glory, his goodness, his purity would have crushed him. So he had to place him behind a rock. And when I thought about that, I said, Lord, many times I have, I have said to, to Jesus, show me your glory. And I'm like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Because we don't know the weight of his glory and his goodness. Not because he is bad, but holiness and glory and purity has a weight of crushing people because we're not like him. But yet he chose to become flesh and walk with us and dine with us. He didn't come as a man. He came as a son because he wanted to relate to each and everyone as a son and as a daughter. He was a baby. All of us can relate to that, right? He was a son. We're daughters. He relates to that. He was a brother, a cousin, a friend, a believer. Can we relate? We surely can. He did all of that for us. How much, how much of us would want to become a dog just so we could understand? Would you want to become a dog so your dog could understand you? <laughs> right? That's the love. It's senseless, right? To us, it's senseless. Why would we want to become less than so I can show somebody my love? That for us is like, hmm going too low. 
But for him, it was not. For him, it was not. For him, it was perfect love. So, love is the most influential force that exists in this world. And I would add, it is also for eternity. And that's what he did for us. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. And we'll start at verse 4. You know this verse gets read a lot of times during um, marriages. But guess what? It is the marriage of him and us. Of him and his bride. And his bride is us, the church. So in 1 Corinthians, let me just get to it. That's a love chapter, right? Oh my gosh. Bear with me, it's taking me a while to get there. First Corinthians chapter 13. Right. So here we are. I won't read the whole chapter because it's a lot. But I'll, I'll just point out the, the, the verses that, that really um, were highlighted to me. It says, Corinthians 4, it says, Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Then we go down to, Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. That is verse 6. Then it talks about all the things that love is. You know we talk about all the anointings and those are fine and good. What we carry, prophecy, words of speaking in tongue, words of knowledge. And all those things are great. God wants us to participate in those and have those. But it says in the last um, verse, no, in verse 13, it says, Until then there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all, let love be the beautiful prize for which you and I run. Love. It was love in the beginning that drove, that motivated the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit to be united to us. So as believers and, and followers of Christ, we are recognized and accept God's great extravagant love through Jesus by faith. We take it by faith. We know what he did by faith, by his word and by faith. Our belief in what Jesus did for us and living our lives every day with the assurance and gratitude towards his great love is what sets us apart. And love is the, the number one motivator. It was, it was all because of love. He did what he did. To send his son just so that we can be one. Because it was from the beginning in the garden. So when he came back as a man, the sole purpose was to be one with us. That's how much he loved us. Now, I'd like to ask you, how does that, how does our identity relate 
So God's extravagant love for us. How does that speak to each one of us in this room? How does it knowing that it took everything Jesus had, everything God had, everything heaven had to be sent down? How does that relate to each one of you? What does that say about you and I? It says we are significant, we are valued, we are cherished beyond words because we don't even know the cost. We may, we, we may want to be able to calculate, but we would never ever be able to calculate the cost that is in Jesus and what he did for us. But he allows us to partake with him, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And that's a privilege. That's a total privilege. Like I said before in Isaiah 55, 8-9, you don't have to turn there, but it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours. Did you know that when I, when I read the scripture and it really stood out to me in John 17, 21, um, maybe you guys can turn there. Did you know that Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus prayed for you and I long before we were even born? Did you guys know that? I am so amazed and, and really undone by that, that even before I chose to serve him or even talk about him, even think about making, to pronounce his name, to know who he is, he, he spoke and he, he spoke and he prayed over you and I. And in John 17, 21, it says, and this just tells us so much more about his extravagant love, that yet we, while we were yet sinners, that he would pray in such a manner for us. It says, John 17 verse 21 it says I pray for them all to be joined together as one even as you and I father are one joined together as one I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me so that they would be one the sole purpose of why we're here is because of Jesus. We are one in the spirit because of Jesus. So he knew that you and I would be sitting right where we are. Right this moment. In this year. In this day. So long before the foundations of the earth, it says in Ephesians. Long before the foundations of the earth. He prayed over us.
so that God would, would become, I know for those of you who like mats in, the, in here, you know that 50 and 50 makes 100. So what does 100% God and 100% man make? What does that make? Is that still 100? <laughs> not in the mass that we were taught, right? <laughs> but he was not 50% man and 50% God. He was fully 100% man and 100% God. That kicks the maths that we learned in school to the door. <laughs> and I love it. When we can't comprehend it and we just have to trust, I love that about him. And that should spark joy in us. That should spark joy in us. I was telling, I think it was Genesis, I was telling her, um, what would it take for me or for her to get an appointment with one of the kings in the world? What would it take? Or even the prime minister. Let's not go, let's not even go to the king, to the prime minister. What would it take? It would take him or even me being able to speak to somebody who's near to him, that had access to him. And we know that that takes some connection. Right? In Belize, people say it's who you know, it's not what you know. Right? And even as we go further to, to meet some kind of famous person, they have to have time on their calendar. You have to know them. You have to have the know-how to get there. You have to have influence to be able to get to that person. But I think this, this is just, it just sparked joy into me to know that the king of kings who made everything, the entire world, the one who speaks and things happen, the one who was here long before you and I, that we have access to him that we don't even know. That we have so much access to him and he is there. We don't need a calendar to meet him. He doesn't have to tell you, you know what, next week, talk to so-and-so. I'll see if I put you in my calendar. I'll give you a call. I've been waiting three weeks to get a call from human, human services with a lady that we need to speak to. <laughs> But anyway, God is not like that. Church, we have him. We have him. And that is such a gift. That is such a gift. That you and I captures heaven's attention. Do you know that you capture heaven's attention? And just look at us and they're like, what does he see in them? What's about them? What's so interesting about them? We capture their attention. But greater than that, we have captured the heart of a father, of a good, good father that sees us in our finished work. Where you and I can't see beyond our faults, he sees us in our finished work. And he calls you and I in that. In that, it's an invitation. 
for us to see ourselves the way he sees us. Even before you and I were born, he has been speaking those things over us. Let us go to Ephesians 1.4. I just love the book of Ephesians because um, it is so full of such a great book, full of wisdom, full of treasure, full of what the Father has been doing before we even were here. So the book of Ephesians in verse, in chapter 1. Okay, here we are. Verse 4 says, And in love he chose us before he laid the foundations of the universe. So even before he thought about making earth, he chose us. It wasn't like, mm, he made the earth and the earth seemed void and it was, it says here, he chose us before he laid the foundations of the earth. So, it's not like he made the earth and then we were made for the earth because we just may need some people in there. He, he was thinking about you and I even before he made that. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. How much of you see yourself as holy in here? God sees us as holy. The thing is, is that he sees us as holy because when he looks at you and I, he sees Jesus. And the, the, the wrong concept we get is that we see you and I through our own. I see Miss Deb because she's Miss Deb. No, God sees when God sees her, he sees Christ. And that's why she's holy. That's why we're holy because when he sees us, it's like the filter he sees through is Jesus. And he is perfect and he is holy. And his blood, because of his blood, then we are holy. All of us are holy because of what Christ did for us. And because of that, that is how God sees us. Does that mean that we've never done wrong? No. But he says that we are covered in his righteousness. We take on the righteousness of Jesus because of what he did. None of us would have been able to pay for that. But we are clothed in his righteousness. So... One of, one of the, the persons that I like to talk to you about is Paul. He's one of my favorite heroes of the faith. One of my favorite, favorite because I just love his books. I, I just love the transformation. And it was because of love that that transformation happened. 
Some say that he wrote 13 or 14 books. Others say that he wrote only seven. Whichever the dispute, I'd like to talk to you about Paul <laughs> this morning. You can go after this and you do, you do your own research. You let me know. Right, but for this morning, there's no dispute. <laughs> um, it says that Paul's name was not actually Paul. His, his name was Saul. And the meaning of Saul means sought after. Isn't it crazy that our names depict what we do in life? What, did he, what, what was he going after? He was going after believers, followers of Jesus. And then his name, he, and he was going and to him that gave him status, that gave him position, that gave him power over people. But his name was changed to little or insignificant. Can we grasp that? Was his name today little and insignificant? Not in the kingdom. But it just shows you what takes place when we give ourselves to God. Strip ourselves. Then he raises us up. So his name was, was changed from being the sought after and going after people and going out for going out for power just in the wrong kingdom. He was just in the wrong kingdom. Because what he did after was exactly what he did but for the right kingdom. He no longer killed, but he allowed people to encounter God so that they could be saved. You see? What the enemy meant for destruction, God used it for his purpose. But if we read more into his life, we will know that Paul's life was, he was going after people and killing people. And when he, guess what, when he converted, people wanted to kill him. You see how the tables turned? People wanted to kill him because he had done so many people wrong. Imagine how many fathers he must have killed. Daughters. I don't know if it mentioned children, but it said believers. So maybe they might have been children. I'm not sure. But how many families he must have affected. So for many times he had to be fleeing for his life. Because even though he has chosen a different life, people were not convinced. People were not giving him a break. People were not as forgiving as he thought they would be. So there were times that there were plots to kill him, and then people around him would have to just sneak him out, and he had to flee. So he lived like that for quite a while. That sometimes he would be three years somewhere, four years somewhere. And where part he didn't know, where, where he was not known, it was okay. But he could not go to the places he was known and where he had done a lot of damage. But eventually, I think that because of how he lived and how he spread the word with boldness, eventually the truth of his transformation was able to be made public. 
Not even the disciples honestly trusted him. There is a verse here in Galatians, I believe it's Galatians 5, it says that he took three years to go meet them. Because even them could not trust him. I mean, let's put it into this context. You could think about somebody who has committed all the crimes. Would you be able to sit quietly in a room with that person, believing that they're a believer, or have them for have them for supper at your house? Would you be able to sleep at night, knowing that they they, they were robbers, they killed? You have your daughters sleeping in the bedroom, they're rapists, whatever. Would you be able to do that? Right? We would do the same. Right? We would do the same. So we can put that into this context. And I probably 100% sure think that we would not trust until we see the fruits of his life. So Paul was called all kinds of names, as you can imagine. He was rejected, he was persecuted, he was jailed, he was beaten. Yet God chose him to sit before kings, nations, and the Jewish people. And you, you ask yourself, why would God pick somebody like that? You know why? He has a purpose and a will for everybody. Nobody is out of God's reach. And I feel that is what he speaks through Paul's life. None of us, nobody out there is out of God's reach. We could think about the worst person in our, in our judgment. Because God sees the heart, we can only see actions. We can't tell what's in a man's heart. We can't tell what's in a man's mind. But God does. And he speaks, he speaks identity over everybody. Over everyone. But we know as we, as we read more of his books, how passionately he loved the Lord. How devoted he was to Jesus and to preaching his word. Even behind, he wrote many of his books behind jail. He wrote many of his books behind there. So that says to you and I, God has a purpose for everyone. Nobody's out of his reach. Let's turn to Acts, Acts chapter 9. This is when, when Saul, this is when Saul met Jesus as he was on the road to Damascus. He says, Saul encounters Jesus. So as, as we know, he had, 
He was very high in his position and his main job was to persecute believers. So it says that in verse 3, so he obtained the, author the authorization and he left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice but could not see one could not see no one. So Saul, along with the men, had an encounter, right? And as we read down to verse 9, he stood to his feet, but he could not see anything. So the, so, so the, other, the other guys or the other companions were able to take him, and he was blind, for three days and he could not eat or drink. So in verse, in verse, let's read verse 11 to 12. It says that the Lord, no, in verse 10, sorry, the Lord spoke to Ananias. He was a believer, right? And the Lord had a vision, Ananias had a vision and, and, was God give, was giving him instructions that there is a person that had encountered the Lord, he wanted him to go and lay hands. That was, that, Ananias was you and I. If you, if you and I were asked to go and pray for somebody like this, Ananias is you and I, right? This is what Ananias said to the Lord. And whenever we go to the Lord and, and our first word is but, that's disobedience, right? But, but Lord, many have told me this about this terrible, many have told me his terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the high priest has authorized him to seize and imprison all those in Damascus who call on your name. So Ananias was telling the Lord after he given the instructions. But Lord, you know what kind of man this is? He kills believers. They're like, are you sending me to my death? Are you sending me to my death? This is how they knew Saul. This is how everybody spoke about him. But I want you to listen to what Jesus, to what God said. And I felt like even in saying that, he was shutting the mouth of Ananias as any loving father would have done for any one of us. He says, the Lord Yahweh answered him, arise and go. You hear, you hear his power and authority? I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. He didn't mention anything Saul was doing. Do you think that God did not see what he was doing? But he was speaking identity over him. He 
He's going to be my special messenger. He will be brought before kings, before nations, and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. That is prophecy. His words are always of life. Regardless if you, are not, you and I are not walking in our destiny, he speaks life over that, and that's what he sees. Regardless of what everybody is saying about you and I, this is what God says about us in our messed up state, because Saul was messed up, right? He was messed up. You and I have messes. But God speaks above that. And he said, he's my special messenger. That's the love of a father speaking identity over a son who has a lot of things to overcome. But he is choosing Saul to be Paul, to carry out his work. So Ananias was describing who Paul was because he couldn't see beyond that. Sometimes we cannot see beyond our faults or beyond someone, somebody else's faults. And we get so fixated. But we need to allow God to tell us who we are. In, even in our deepest messes, he spoke life as a father does. And I will show him, he says in verse 16, and I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. And that's how he died. That's how he died. He laid down his life, passionately loving Jesus and preaching his gospel. So what does that say about you and me today? There's no mess. There's no fault that God cannot reach us where we are at. There's no mess. There's no fault that God cannot reach those who are out there that haven't encountered Jesus yet. None is out of his reach. I can imagine that he had a lot of forgiveness to do. Because when you, you, when you experience such an extravagant love, it can only lead us to forgiveness. Forgiving ourselves. I'm sure he had many of those moments to forgive himself. And also forgive others who have not yet accepted him. I, I, I believe there were years that he had to do that healing of the soul and spirit. It's not like that. 
not just like that. I just want to share two examples well, from my own life that, that I am learning that you can be saved, right? And you could be walking with the Lord, but there are still things that need to, there are still areas in our lives that need to be set, God forgot to set us free in, and for him to come and do healing in those areas. There are wounds that he needs to heal, and there are areas that he needs to see us to walk in freedom. Because it was for freedom that he died, that we could experience freedom in every area. Every area, not just some, not just some, but in every area. So I had two, I had two separate sessions with somebody who was able to walk me through some wounds that I was carrying. I, well, I said that no because I know <laughs> they were wounds, but in the but in the beginning I did not know they were wounds, but I was just having difficulty. Um, in communicating, in doing, in, in some relationships. And one of them, when the person walked me through the process and asked, and asked me to ask Holy Spirit, um, where does this lie set in her? Or what, what, take me to a memory. The person was take me to a memory um, where this was triggered from. So one of them, I got a picture of a of a male sitting down and having just cuddling a child and i've always had that in my brain but i i was like mm, okay you know you things flash through your mind and and you for no reason they don't relate to what's happening in your life and you just brush it out so that came up so i asked holy spirit what that meant because it, it was always flashing here and there so when i asked holy spirit what that meant and it was a picture of my biological father that I never knew in person. That is, that is one memory of him that I never knew it was that when it used to happen to me as an adult. So Holy Spirit took me to asking him for forgiveness because my mom was married previously and then when, when I was couple months old they got divorced I never knew my biological father nothing about him all I knew was what people used to say about him so no personal experience none at all so Holy Spirit showed me that that was that was where a spirit of rejection and abandonment had stepped into my life and that was causing difficult and challenges in my relationship with other people Right, because I was, even when I used to grow, when I used to, I was a teenager, I always felt I don't want to be around people, I, I just want to be by myself, and I was wondering why, why? So Holy Spirit showed me that that was where the spirit of rejection and abandonment. 
So I was so grateful to be able to forgive my father, even though he had passed, and then forgive myself and cut off, cutting off all those ungodly ties and all those beliefs, because then all my life I'd been living and looking at these filters and having relationship with people out of a spirit of rejection and abandonment. But I was so grateful to get freedom in that. And I'm just saying that because all of us carry wounds. And we don't know that we're carrying those wounds, and we don't know that these wounds are forming filters of how we see people, how we interact with people, and how we do relationships. The other one was, let me remember. Okay, so the other one was with my my, my stepfather, you no, know, and I'm and I'm when I was having these encounters and when Mercedes was sharing last night, yes, last week about father speak identity, and I shared with Francis, I said two of my encounters had to do with my biological father and my stepfather. Isn't that amazing? They are the ones responsible to speak identity. Wasn't my mother? So this second one I had was my father. I was showing him my report card. I was probably first from, second from. And I always wanted them to be proud of me. And I, I remember coming excited in my report card and I showed it to him. And I remember his words, like, they were like a ton of blocks. <laughs> he, he looked at my report card and he said, mm, it's good, but you can do better. That was all he said to me. And I've carried that wound ever since, until the Holy Spirit showed me. Right? So again, she took me through the process of forgiving my, my dad, cutting off ungodly ties. And then he showed me that my validation comes from him. And cutting off the lies that and forgiving my dad for what for those for those words he said, which I took on as the, I was not good enough, I was not worthy enough. He was not proud of me. Absolutely a lie. Because God is always, always proud of us. And his report card over us is always passed with flying colors. As a matter of as a matter of fact, Jesus' report card is our report card. His report card is our report card because that is how how God sees us, how the Father sees us. So I was able to get freedom in those two areas, and it has showed me. It has showed me that sometimes when things happen in relationship or something happens or somebody says something to you and it didn't sit well, has nothing to do with that person. Ask the Lord, Lord, where is it in my life? What's triggered that? Why is it making me feel uncomfortable? Why is it not sitting well with me? But sometimes if we don't do that, we, we take it as if, if that person that person fell, and then we disconnect. We disconnect. 
And every time I meet this person, it's like, okay, I have to stay distant. Because I didn't like what she said. But it's actually some, a wound that was, that something I was triggered from her past. So I encourage you to sit with the Lord when those things happen. Because he wants to speak truth over every lie the enemy has ever said. And many of those lies will come or have come from people we love. Because I love my dad. And I love my biological father even though I didn't know him. Because he gave me life. Right? And we are called to honor them. Not because of what they did or did not do. So, I believe that Paul had these encounters had these amazing encounters, but it was because of God's extravagant, costly gift that he gave to us and he gave to Paul, why there was such a transformation. Imagine the father was speaking identity over Paul, even when Paul was doing his own thing, same as us. When we were not devoted to God, we were doing our own thing. He's speaking identity over you and I. He's speaking where we're going, our destiny, where we're going, what we're going to do. Imagine he called Paul a special messenger while everybody else wants to kill him. Everybody else wants to kill him. But when we see ourselves and see others through the lenses of a good, good father, of a good, good father. That he, he doesn't, he doesn't want us to get stuck on what we're not doing right or, or what someone else is not doing right. If he could use Paul's life, why he can't use you, you and I? And nobody's asked you and I to be Paul, to write books. I mean, if you have the gift, sure. But all of us have an individual gift that we get to bring before him. Because Paul could not have done this with, on his own. Never. But because his life was touched in a transformational way, Imagine he, he was blind for three days. The man saw a bright, bright light. I, I just think he saw the glory of God at that moment. He saw his glory and it left him blind. But his heart was so transformed. His heart was so transformed by love. And love is what sets us apart as believers. If nothing else, it's love. So I just want to leave you with that encouragement. You are a gift. And the Father speaks only good of you. 
regardless of where we're at, regardless of what we're not doing, let's not fix it on what we're not doing. He wants to do life with us. So I just want to pray over you this morning. Father, we just thank you for your extravagant gift. Father, I, I just bless this house. I bless each individual, each family, Father, that we will become so aware of the gift that is available to us and is already in us. Father, because the moment we accepted you, you have given yourself fully, 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 not in parts, not, not when we get it right, you're going to give yourself to us. You have already given yourself fully unto us. So Jesus, help us. Help us to acknowledge, to love you the way you deserve to be loved. Help us to speak to others and to speak life over others, no matter how the circumstances may look like. You turn it all for good, Jesus. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we just bless you.